0: Welcome to the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolcock. Yeah, welcome back folks. This is the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Seth Wolcock. You can find this show along with some other great podcasts at thepen.org. Another week of NFL football in the bag. We got a great episode coming for you. Week three is on the horizon. We're going to get you prepped with everything you need to know. Tom Coot is going to be joining us here in a minute. We're going to break down some of the latest injuries and everything you need to know about some possible trades going down in the NFL and how it is going to rock the fantasy world. I got a brand new start sitting Seth coming for you later on in the show, and we'll round it out with some. In the scope to keep you caught up on some stealthy waiver wire additions but before we get to all that i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors shalakta beer outlet in shalakta pa and iup dining i'd also like to give a quick shout out real quick to the man behind all the music here at the in between that's my man nate miller killing it out there in la you can follow nate his music and all his adventures he's got going on out there on Instagram, at ism, that's at ISM. Make sure to check him out, that's at ism on Instagram. Thanks for the music, Nate. Let's jump on into it, folks. All right, all right, all right. We're back on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. I'm joined by great friend of the show and one of our fantasy analysts, Tom Kuda. You can find him on the Twitter, at Thomas Kuda. Tom, how you doing today, man? I am doing just fabulous. How about yourself? Oh, I'm excited we're back in the studio. Another episode of the pod coming our viewers way. So, I'm excited, man. A little discouraged about some stuff that transpired over the weekend, but I'm sure we'll jump into that. Absolutely. I can't wait. All right, guys. We're going to go around the league. <laughs> We're going to cover some of the biggest NFL stories of Week 2 and how it's going to affect the fantasy world moving forward. We're going to start where we always like to start, a good place we call
1: the Pittsburgh. What do you say, Tom? That's what kids get for growing up in Pittsburgh. Oh, love Pittsburgh, man. Best place to start anything. All right, so,
0: Big Ben, season's over, undergoing season-ending surgery this week on an elbow, he went down in the first half of the Seattle game last week. Now the keys are in Mason Rudolph, the second-year Oklahoma State quarterback. Uh, we'll see how it goes. The Steelers obviously have some faith in Rudolph moving forward. They just traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, the stellar safety out of Miami there. Tom, how do you feel about these pass catchers moving forward, and how do you feel about the overall team of the Steelers moving forward?
1: Where to begin First thing, I guess, is I think Juju takes a little hit here. I'm not going to say it's going to be massive. He's not going to like be irrelevant or anything. But I do think you kind of got to temper your maybe low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two now instead of you know the superstar that you drafted him to be, which is okay. Like That doesn't break your team. It just means you might have to swap up your strategy moving forward. I think James Washington certainly becomes, if you need a flex pickup anytime in the near future, go and scoop him up, because him and Mason played at college together, and everybody knows that by now, so when he gets into panic mode, like he already knows everything that James Washington's going to do anywhere on the field, so that'll be like his comfort play. Yeah, everyone knows 38 touchdowns between
0: Mason Rudolph and James Washington at their time during Oklahoma State there. I think Vance McDonald, he had the two touchdowns after Rudolph came in last week. So I don't think you can give him too much of a bump down. And, yeah, Juju's going to take a little bit of a hit, especially. But I, I think even from the get-go this season, we saw that maybe Juju wasn't as comfortable in that number one role as a lot of people had hoped.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with also your um, take on McDonald as well. Um, I I think... Ultimately, the offense is going to be fine. I was a very big fan of Mason Rudolph's. Um, I went back and looked through like a chat that we had at draft time last year, and as soon as the Steelers traded Martavis for a third-rounder, I was like, they're totally going to draft Mason Rudolph. It's going to happen, and they did. Now, the reason that I say I'm excited about Mason Rudolph is a lot of the teams drafting quarterbacks now, like you go look at you know Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, they are totally nuking and rebuilding their offense around the skill set of those quarterbacks, which is great. Like, that's a great plan if you're looking for a franchise quarterback. You want them to be comfortable. Certainly. Mason Rudolph is the one quarterback I've seen come through the pipeline that the Steelers would not have to retool their offense for. I'm not going to say that Mason Rudolph is going to be Big Ben or that he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. We just don't know that yet until he's had more time to play. I wanted him to get another year or two of being backup behind Big Ben before he even got to be the starter. But, you know, the fantasy god, the football gods are not kind sometimes. But I think that he has all of the intangibles that Big Ben has and had really well in his prime like Big Ben is losing his edge there's no denying that like he's so good he's just you know he's not in his prime anymore which is fine that's how things work but Mason Rudolph has that backyard football sensibility like that's how he plays which is great because the whole reason that the Steelers did so well is because any team that game plan against their offense that backyard football mentality is like water like they can come in with the best game plan, but if the quarterback adjusts to it mid-game and hits you with something you definitely weren't expecting or you know, completely plays outside of what their tendencies comfort-wise on tape are so they can beat you, and I think Mason has some of those intangibles. Now we just have to see if you can put it all together, but I really do see why they have the confidence to trade away their first-round pick. next year and shore up that defense i think that a lot of people too have been down on the a lot of articles are still talking about them getting fitzpatrick as a we're trying to make the playoffs move i just think they invested in another young person in their secondary on defense the whole team is nothing but young talent right now with just enough veteran leadership to get them through and you know you're not talking playoffs this year but Next year, the year after, you could be talking like a whole new dynasty for the team. So, I'm pretty excited right now. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest here,
0: Tom. Minka Fitzpatrick, he went tenth overall in 2017, so he's still young. He's still in his prime, and the Steelers. And my, I still think even with Mason Rudolph, they're not going to have you know better than a top eight pick. I don't think that's in the cards. And if you somewhere between eight and let's say 20. If you could find a safety, a corner like Minka Fitzpatrick, and you know it's a surefire thing, would you?
1: Would you not do that? I feel like you would. You know, my takeaway was that they're really investing in the future, and they saw a guaranteed commodity in Fitzpatrick instead of rolling the dice on the draft next year. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't agree more.
0: Also, on the note of the receivers, I think you're dropping Dante Moncrief if you haven't already. That guy sucks. Get him out of Pittsburgh. Done with him. He does. Uh, Last week, if you listened to the show as well, I touched on a guy, Ryan Switzer. He's a slot guy. I really thought he would maybe have a coming out party last week a little bit. We talked about him in the scope. Uh, I'm going to say hold off on Switzer for a while, at least for this season, I'm thinking. And I think it's Jalen Samuels, James Conner in the backfield. And I think you got James Washington, Juju Smith, and Vance McDonald. you you're rolling with him. He's a tight end one at the end of the day. What do you see with Jalen Samuels, James Conner
1: moving forward here, Tom? My biggest worry and uh is that they're going to do teams are gonna start to give the Steelers the the Mitch Trubisky treatment, meaning that they're just gonna stack the box and completely shut down the run and force a young quarterback to be Like, he's either going to be great or they're going to lose every game they play. So I do really worry about the production of Samuels and Connor moving forward. Now, of course, that could mean nothing. You know, if Mason comes out and plays well, the Steelers still have one of the best offensive lines in the league. So some run game is almost sure to be functional. I'm just not sure what it looks like moving forward now. Like, we're going to have to wait and see a few games and see how teams – prep against them and what they decide to run defense wise but I do worry a little about the running back situation now
0: yeah I we know Connor went down with a knee injury he's okay he's probably gonna be fired up for this Sunday and he's gonna be back on the field so that's always a good sign but like you said I think it's going to be more volume for this run game I think they're gonna have to lean on a committee more Jalen Samuels James Connor putting their head down giving them more run than they have this season. If we look at it right now, Tom, James Connerly has 21 attempts on the season. I'm pretty sure he had 21 attempts through week one last year. So they need to get the run game more involved, but I think it's going to be a less efficient run game, obviously, because you don't have that veteran quarterback, Big Ben calling those plays, making those audibles at line of scrimmage. But maybe this makes Fitchner rethink his strategy a little bit moving forward, and maybe we will see a... Good old fashioned
1: defense and run game steel curtain this weekend. Yeah, that could totally be, and I guess that was what I was trying to. It could. It, there's just so many different ways it could go. Also, just for posterity's sake, last year first game, James Conner had 31 carries. <laughs> That's <Okay>. crazy. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, it totally could go that way. I mean, it really just. I guess it all. It really all depends on how well Mason does next week and <laughs> moving forward, what they decide to do. They could. I mean, if, if Fitzpatrick shows up that defense well enough, they really could just get ahead early and then try to run out the clock on some games. But so much is in the air
0: right now. I feel like going back to draft day, if we knew what we know now about the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben's situation, the health situation, James Conner, I feel like he would definitely be more of a low-end second-round pick. And I think Juju would also probably slide down that second round a little more. Because these were both guys going
1: in the in the top fifteen consistently, if not top ten. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's just the rough part is that you can just you never see that stuff coming. But at least it's nice knowing that they only slip a little bit. You know, it's not. I really don't think it's going to be season breaking for anybody who's spent up on them. Yeah, we will see how that situation plays out in Pittsburgh.
0: Let's move down south to New Orleans. Drew Brees, he's out with a thumb injury on a play that Aaron Donald got in there. Broke up the pass. Six weeks is what they're saying for Drew Brees. They did not put him on IR today, which is a good sign. Teddy Bridgewater, our man from up north in Minnesota, there. He's going to be taking the keys to the boat down there in New Orleans. Tom, what does this do for Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray moving forward? I can't help but think it has to decrease their value a little bit here. Absolutely.
1: Unfortunately, very unfortunately, it. I think whole offense has got to take a step back now, fantasy-wise. I just think they lose a little bit of potency in this situation. Um, let me ask you something, too. John Payton has not committed to Teddy being the guy. He said he wants to split time between him and Taysom Hill, and I can't tell if that... I'm, not, I'm just not quite not not quite sure what is going on in his mind. Uh, Not saying it's like a poor choice. I just don't know what that means for the offense, like another step further to not commit to one quarterback.
0: Yeah, I I definitely, I've heard that actually come up this week as well in some discussions. What about Taysom Hill? He's kind of that X factor player. We've seen him play quarterback. We've seen him line up in the shotgun tight end at times, even uh, out wide, even. So I, I think it's interesting. I think, they should use him to their advantage. He's the one guy who's consistently been playing reps in this offense, you know, while they are not obviously traditional quarterback reps. I think Taysom Hill has some experience there and I think those guys like Kamara, like Thomas, like to rally around him. And so I think it will be an interesting couple of weeks to see how it plays out. I think Kamara goes down to a low end running back one I think Michael Thomas kind of goes down there as well, maybe even a high-end wide receiver too. Uh, What say you on those two guys?
1: Yeah, I kind of agree there. Uh, Like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are both incredible players. You know, Kamara's a proven freak of nature, but he was already on a pitch count to begin with, and I just worry that he's going to suffer efficiency-wise for the sake of team's not being as afraid of the dual threat with Breeze on the field cuz he was kind of the I mean he was the driver of that team you know with Breeze on the field you're never sure what's going to happen and you have to be ready for anything but taking that dimension away now you're a little bit more certain that they're going to lean on Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara so now you're just shutting down those two pieces and hoping for the best honestly going back
0: even to last season Kind of, I'm going to say November on. Drew Brees didn't look like the same Drew Brees we had seen for years. Yes, he was winning games, he was making the throws, but he wasn't going over the top. We haven't seen Drew Brees go over the top here in quite some time. So I think the offense was already going to take maybe a little step back uh, to begin with with Brees. Now, without Brees, I think you have to tamper expectations. And Tom, you can't start Latavius Murray moving forward, can you?
1: No, he's not on any team that I have anymore. I had him on two teams, and I've since kicked him off for other players. Who are the players you dropped him for? Well, somebody in my league dropped Michael Gallup because he's injured, so I scooped him up for Latavius in one league. And in the other, believe it or not, I scooped up Peyton Barber because somebody's going to get 23, you know, if – Bruce Arians wants to give him the ball 23 times a game. I'd rather have that than Latavius Murray maybe getting six touches and getting stuffed every time he gets to the line. Yeah, and what about the tight end, Jared
0: Cook? We've already seen him come off to a slow start here. We've seen this in the past with higher-profile tight ends moving down there in New Orleans. They normally don't do well, i.e. Kobe Fleener a couple years ago. Do you drop Jared Cook, or are you giving it at least another week
1: or two? I'd give it another week or two just for the sake of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you know Drew Brees. He doesn't use tight ends that much, but they might have to sh- swap that up to if it's more comfortable for Teddy or and or Taysom, depending on who they go with. So I would, you know, give him another week. If you need a spot, like if, you, if there's somebody that, you know, like on the fence about thinking about dropping him for, I would feel comfortable getting rid of him. But... You know, it's worth holding on to if you got the space and you're not trying to scoop up somebody else right now. Absolutely.
0: So last note on these quarterbacks going down discussion. If you're moving forward, redraft, not dynasty, who are you looking at, Mason Rudolph or Teddy Bridgewater?
1: If you have to pick between the two of them? Yes. I'd go with Mason Rudolph just because I can tell you right this second he's the guy who's playing every snap this Sunday. I actually
0: had Mason Rudolph as one of my in-the-scope candidates, uh, a week-early waiver-wire candidate. So make sure we check that out later in the show. But let's move on here, Tom. I want to take you to Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial. It was quite a scene on Sunday night in Atlanta. Within the first couple minutes of the game, no Deshaun Jackson, no Alshon Jeffrey, and when they need him most, Dallas Goddard, nowhere to be found, man. It was quite the scene there. We know the Eagles tried to rally. We saw some impressive performances by the likes of Nelson Aguilar and Carson Wentz, but they just came up short there. What do you see moving forward in this Philadelphia passing game, and can you update us all uh, on d and Alshon and Goddard there?
1: Uh, it's a rough one. Uh, tough time to be an Eagles fan. I think the only person that I'm honestly think, I mean, this is a bump up for Ertz, so if you got him, congratulations. You're probably going to have a great couple weeks coming up now uh if if not the only player i'm comfortable picking up and dropping in a flex spot if i need him is aguilar other than that i'm taking a dip on all the receiving options for now yeah personally i i would rather go with
0: the i think our sega white side has a little more upside i, I just don't know if carson wentz can trust nelson aguilar moving forward we've seen this time after time his whole career outside of the 2017 season he has been Plagued with drops. He had a couple big ones there on Sunday night. He even sent a tweet out later. You know, I know I missed some, but we're going to get this back. What, you know, whatever. I don't believe in Nelson Aguilar. Maybe in a 16-team redraft league, I'm picking up JJAW there. But other than that, I agree with you. I'm probably going to skip out on these Eagles pass catchers for a little bit. But I could see Aguilar going off because me and him just don't have a great relationship. So
1: I don't blame you. I mean... There's definitely cases to be made for leaving the whole thing alone altogether, but if you got to get one, at least Aguilar is playable. And, of course, Ertz. I can't stress that enough. You were going to play him anyway, but I think he's going to have a really,
0: really good couple weeks. And, Tom, do you think this hurts the run game as maybe we'll get some more stacked boxes as d who can take the top off, Alshon, who can take the top off a little bit, will not be there anymore? Or do you think this is going to help it and – the likes of Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard can get a little more involved in the game plan
1: earlier on. I definitely think that takes a hit too. Also with the question marks around Carson Wentz, I could definitely see teams just trying to ram it down their throat and be incredibly aggressive. I'm not really big on any fantasy assets for them right now. I'd pretty much be benching just about anybody. Like I'd probably be considering even streaming if I had Carson Wentz as my quarterback so it's it's really a rough time if you've had any draft stock in in the Eagles
0: yeah I mean that's kind of what we've seen from Carson Wentz here in the last couple seasons uh he was actually one of my sits coming into the season not because I don't love the talent there in Philly it's just I don't know health wise what's going on with Wentz we even saw him come out of the game a little bit on Sunday night so I'm weary of Wentz moving forward if I have him and there's an Eagles fan in my league. Maybe I'm trying to trade him. Honestly, I know in my one league, uh, an owner was actually pushing. He was pushing Wentz off. He's like, he's like, someone needs to take Wentz now. And we're like, no. When you say that, we're not going to take it. It's hurt. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I guess we'll see there in Philly. Uh, Tom saying stay away from there. I'm agreeing right now. Let's look at another place around the league real quick, Tom. I want to go to Miami. Poor Miami Dolphins. It's just nothing's going right down there this year. Kenyon Drake, the running back, he was a top 60 pick in most redraft PPR leagues and he's actually requested a trade and I guess they're exploring those options a little bit. Tom, what can you tell us about are you buying Kenyon Drake if you don't have him in a redraft leagues in the hopes that he gets traded because
1: I've thought about it honestly. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess it really depends on your team comp. Uh, if you're looking for some depth, if you have some space to take on a flyer, um, I've heard that he's actually, you know, that he's out on the waiver in some leagues. I would consider it, but I guess I would want to w- wait and make sure that these are actually like properly vetted trade rumors and that there is some interest. I know that might make it a little bit harder to trade for him just for the excitement of the possibility of him going somewhere else. But it's not something I'm willing to, you know, go and blow. Like I wouldn't – let's try to think of like a player comp here. You know, if, if I have like a Carlos Hyde or like somebody I'm thinking of a flex RB3 kind of thing, I'm not trading Kenyon Drake. I would think about that. Yeah, as long as these trade rumors are legit, I would definitely think about it. If he stays with Miami, I would stay very far away. But if the trade rumors are legit, if you get any kind of confirmation that somebody has said, "Hey, we're interested, we want to come trade for him," then yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you got Mark Andrews and Vance McDonald. You're definitely set. So I need Turn like to, a flip shefty, that in there.
0: I need a shefty bomb or
1: something to. Notify I was gonna say exactly hit Twitter and see if Shefty's been, like, confirming stuff out there for you. But, yeah, as soon as that comes through, I'm definitely going to – I would go make that trade. Now, I will say I am a little biased because I do have Ken and Drake and Dynasty, and I'm I'm sitting on him because I was thinking about trying to dump him. But if he might get traded, I'm just going to wait it out and see where he lands first. Yeah, certainly not a bad strategy there. Tom, do you see
0: any suitors out there in the NFL? Because it's hard to, for me to find one that right now is like, oh – I need running back. Let's go. Kenny and Drake.
1: Yeah, it, that's a tough... I've really been racking my brain trying to figure out where he could go because you think about teams, you know. I know the Seahawks like to run and I'm not convinced that they're convinced that Rashad Penny is their guy. Like, I know they have Chris Carson right now, but Pete Carroll's very loyal and I just don't think he's going to go look elsewhere yet. Um, the Redskins, I could see maybe knocking on the door because, I mean, you know, Adrian Peterson does okay, but yeah, yeah, ice is down for another year. You really don't know what you got there. They're really thin at running back. I could see them maybe going and taking one for this.
0: What about an Oakland Raiders team that Josh Jacobs is already a little banged up, dealing with a groin injury there, and outside of him we don't really know too much of that backfield?
1: You know, I could see that too. I, I could definitely see the Raiders being interested and in scooping him up, trying to get some depth there. Maybe even considering starting him over Jacobs if the injury is nagging and hangs around for a while. I've talked about Kenyon Drake on this show. Not just this show, but going back
0: last season as well on Bottom Line. And I have had nothing but hate for that guy, but it, it's not because of the talent. It's because of the situation down there in Miami. He's had two full seasons under his belt as quote unquote the guy or somewhat the guy, and he's only had 133 attempts at the max. But going back to that 2018 year, he actually had you know 53 receptions, 477 receiving yards. Add another 500, it gets you over a thousand all-purpose yards there. So I don't know, Kenyon Drake is intriguing, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, we need we need that Shefty bomb for sure.
1: Yeah, we need to know he's going somewhere that they're gonna invest in him because, like it's just proof that you know you want to buy into the talent come draft day, but you gotta if the situation's not there, you know, you just can't take that risk because Miami has run him right into the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right.
0: Last trade I want to talk to you about that could be going down within the next couple of weeks, Jalen Ramsey cornerback from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know this isn't an IDP podcast, Tom, but how do you see this affecting the Jacksonville team as a whole, specifically their fantasy assets, uh, DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, and, yeah, don't forget my guy in the backfield, Leonard
1: Fournette. Um, so the, the Ramsey trade is very interesting. If Ramsey is successful in getting himself traded, the whole Jacksonville team – it like just takes a big step down in my eyes. Um, I can't remember the exact statistics, um, but I was looking at some pro football focus talking about Jalen Ramsey. And when you have like elite wide receiver ones going up against him, they make him play zone. So he doesn't get to play that shutdown corner role quite as frequently as they would if they put him in man, which is what he wants. Like that's part of his beef with them. He actually dropped quarterback passer ratings to, like, 66 when he's covering elite wide receiver ones. Like, he does his job well. So it definitely opens up that defense to getting gashed by good teams. Now, like you said, it's not IDP, so you're not really worried about what Ramsey's doing as far as benefit for that. But it means that when you go to play, like, when your offensive uh, pieces are playing against Jacksonville, you feel a lot more comfortable starting him if Jalen Ramsey's not there. And where he lands is important because then, you know, if you have, you know, Mike Evans and he's playing him again or, you know, something like that, you got to make sure that on those teams you're lowering your expectations for what your offensive pieces are going to do against Jalen Ramsey.
0: Yeah, I think even moving forward for Leonard Fournette, I think you have to bump him down even just a tad if if this trade rumor is true because, let's face it, Jalen Ramsey is really the last, you know, him and A.J. Boye, of course, are kind of those last core pieces of that Jacksonville defense that really was amazing back in 2017. And so I think they're going to be behind more without them. They're already playing with Gardner Minchu, the secret garden there. And uh, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be down more. They're going to have to throw. So maybe give a little bit of a bump up to D.J. Chark and uh, D.D. Westbrook there. I mean, I'm kind of down on D.D. Westbrook as a whole lately. But I think Leonard Fournette is maybe a lower-end RB1 now. And I could see DJ Shark having maybe some wide receiver three upside here soon.
1: Yeah, I agree I agree with pretty much all of that. You know, you really got to bump Fournette down a little. Uh, Gardner Minshew, who I love, by the way. I just can't with him. He's wonderful. Yeah. But he's definitely going to have to air it out more. I mean, they're going to be behind a ton once Jalen's gone from the team. So... I think Chark probably takes the biggest bump of anybody on that team. I totally agree with you on that. He's, If he can stay consistent and stay healthy, he's definitely going to be somebody that I'm starting in flex, you know, just about any any good matchup. So, Yeah, he's wide receiver seven
0: on the season in PPR format. So I know it's only two weeks, but he's had a consistent two weeks unlike a lot of these uh, boomer bust plays we've seen early on here. So yeah that's uh that's all the time we have for around the league, Tom, any last
1: word for our listeners? Oh, there way well, one last thing that I'm disappointed about. Drew Brees was coming into the season in a dead heat with Tom Brady for breaking the all time passing touchdowns record, oh. and I'm disappointed that we won't get to watch that play out anymore. Tom Brady's just going to skate right through like everything else he gets. To do <laughs> Man, there's no stopping Tom Brady. Is it that guy is
0: I don't think he's human anymore, honestly. He's oh. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. I'll be right back with another edition of Start Sitting Seth after a quick word from our sponsors. Stay with us. So I want to talk about my new favorite place for some alcoholic beverages. It's Chalacta Beer Outlet and Chalacta, PA. They have craft and domestic six-pack and cases. They have seltzers. They have nine different flavors of alcoholic slushies. They're $7 each for a 22-ounce cup. They're amazing. You have to try Chalacta Beer Outlet and Chalacta, PA for all your alcohol needs from now on. Check them out. You won't regret it. I promise it's my favorite place to go. That Chalacta Beer Outlet in Shalacht B.A. Start, Sit, and Seth. Yeah, so Start, Sit, and Seth, volume four on the season for some week three start sits. Uh, This one's entitled Start, Sit, and Learning. So it kind of talks about how I wasn't always like this, folks. I wasn't always had the cerebral ability to look at the things around me, look at the stories within the world and see that it's more than just what meets the eye, let alone did I have the ability to put this into sentences. So I kind of go back to my roots here. Uh, I highlight a couple of my awesome high school teachers who kind of helped me get there along the way because without learning folks, without teaching, I don't think I'd be here today talking to you. So shout out to them, Mr. Joshua Jeklak. He was my English teacher growing up in high school, and just really, really kind of showed me that there are different point of views other than my own. And some of those point of views I haven't even got to yet because I am only 21 years old. But I also highlighted Mr. Todd Silfies. You might know him as the legendary District 9 football coach, Coach Silfies. He led Kane to a couple district championships back in the day before hanging it up. He definitely inspired me as well. Uh, Rather than him teaching us as the dumb teenagers we really were most of the time. He taught us as these wide-eyed kids looking for tomorrow's answers through yesterday's history. So I got a lot of love for those two guys up in Kane. Uh, I also moved when I was about 16 to a place about 70 miles away, Kerbensville, PA. Uh, I attended Kerbensville High there. And uh, Mrs. Darlene Pennington, she was a lifesaver for me. I was going through a bit of a rebellious phase after you know any kid who probably moves midway through high school breaking laws, breaking hearts, but Mrs. P kind of saw through it all. She kind of knew I was really struggling with some stuff at home deep down, and she really kind of put me on the right track, and by the time I graduated high school, while I still was perfectly flawed, Mrs. Pennington, she had genuine care for her students, and with her, I had direction. She gave me some direction moving forward, and so I really wanted to thank those guys, you know, just give a little shout out, a little spotlight to those people who are so underpaid, underappreciated, the high school teachers of Pennsylvania there. And don't worry, guys, I'm still also learning when it comes to the fantasy world as well. Last week's start and sit advice was not the best. I apologize. I guess I read a little too much into week one and how that was going to shape out in week two. But I got you here in week three. I got some awesome start sits coming your way. Let's start at quarterback, a quarterback I'd start this week. He's a big!
1: This brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something.
0: Josh Allen, the second-year quarterback, he's continuing to be a fantasy weapon this season. And the Bills are 2-0. They could be 3-0 if if they can fend off the Cincinnati Bengals, the winless Cincinnati Bengals, can I add? And I think that Josh Allen here is a fantasy superstar waiting to happen. He's improved as a passer. His completion percentage is up 11% from last year's QBR, Quarterback rating, that is, is up 4.3% from last season as well. I know it's early, but he's already tied with Deshaun Watson for the most rushing TDs by any quarterback. He has two, and he's only trailing Lamar Jackson, a person we generally see as a running quarterback threat, as the second most quarterback rushing attempts. Josh Allen has 17. Lamar Jackson's up there in the 20s, but people don't really give Josh Allen enough credit for what he can do with his legs. I don't know if it's because he's this bigger white guy, looks like Big Ben a little bit back there, but this guy has some wheels. He has some wheels, and he's facing a Bengals team that just allowed 259 rushing yards to the 49ers in Week 2. It's easy to think that the Bills will turn to Josh Allen to get it done with his legs. Devin Singletary, the lead running back, is dealing with a hamstring injury. I think they're going to call a lot of sweeps for Josh Allen, a lot of quarterback keep-its, so... Keep an eye on Josh Allen if you have him unless you have one of these better options here the Mar Jacksons the Deshaun Watson Tom Brady's of the world I think you're firing Josh Allen up and I think you're loving it let's go Buffalo the
1: bills make me want your heels up and throw your hands up and throw your head back and come on now the bills are making it happen now
0: so a quarterback I would sit this week I'm just Philly fans, I know what you're saying. You think I'm hating on your guy, but I promise I'm not. I am benching Carson Wentz this week. It wasn't pretty last Sunday night, a couple minutes into the game. We already lost starting wide receivers Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. Their status for Sunday's game is still uncertain. It's still up in the air. So they're going up against a Lions defense this week that has only allowed two passing touchdowns, and that was two second-half touchdowns to the rookie, Kyler Murray. Last week, they held Philip Rivers under 11 fantasy points. I think this Lions secondary and pass defense is a little underrated. So I'm going to say keep Carson Wentz on the bench. He was a little banged up last week as well. So until we get the other Philadelphia pass catching options back and before we see Wentz at full strength, I'm sitting him unless he's my best option available. So, I'm going to stay in Philadelphia. The streets of Philadelphia. I'm here for the running back, I'd start this week. I used to play running back. Miles Sanders, he's the rookie coming out of Penn State. And while I'm typically on the wait and see approach with rookies, I talked about it last week with David Montgomery. I'm in on Miles Sanders this week, folks. I think he's going up against a Detroit defense that has allowed seven receptions per game to opposing running backs. And the Eagles have not found much success this season with the running backs, and I think that's because they're trying to mix in too much Darren rolls, too much Jordan Howard, and it's ineffective. I think they got to let Sanders get in the game, get his hands dirty, and with Carson Wentz, as already mentioned, banged up, his plethora of receiving weapons are also banged up. I think Doug Peterson's going to go back to the drawing board and realize he's got to get his rookie running back involved early on here. They spent a second-round pick on him, folks. So if you need a high-end flex play, if you need an RB2 that could be suitable, maybe go off, have a breakout week, I'm playing Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles this week. So a running back I would sit this week... He's actually a former Philadelphia Eagles running back himself. LaShawn McCoy down in Kansas City there. Sorry, Shady. I apologize. But the Baltimore Ravens have only allowed 28 rushing yards this season so far. Yeah, and you heard that right, folks. 28 rushing yards. They're playing the Chiefs. And... Well, I know Andy Reid wants to get things worked out with with the rushing woes that they've had so far. They're only averaging 72 yards per game. I think Reid's gonna figure this out on another day. I think he's gonna let Patrick Mahomes go out there, battle it out with Lamar Jackson, and do Patrick Mahomes like things in Arrowhead on Sunday. So I'm benching Lashawn McCoy this week. A wide receiver I'm starting this week. Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals welcome back old friend it's so good to say that I would start Larry Fitzgerald this week it never gets old I know last year a couple times I had him on the sit list but that was just because of the situation the OC the quarterback situation there in Arizona and don't don't look now, folks, but Larry Fitzgerald is actually 8th in receiving yards in the NFL right now. He's 3rd in targets this season, and he seems to have found kind of a great connection with Kyler Murray. And last week, we saw Chris Godwin, who plays a very similar role to Larry Fitzgerald. He's actually playing with Larry Fitzgerald's former coach there and Bruce Arians, and they kind of play, they're very similar players, and he had a career day against this carolina passing defense and i think that while this might not be a career day for larry as he's had so many throughout his illustrious career i think he's a great flex play and he has some high wide receiver two upside right now so don't sleep on the old man there larry fitzgerald you're awesome i'm firing you up this week a wide receiver i'm sitting this week I'm just I'm going with New York Jets' Jameson Crowder. Crowder exploded in week one. He had over 20 fantasy points. He had over 10 receptions. He was looking awesome there in week one. But we know that Sam Darnold is out with mononucleosis. We saw how bad it was going to get on Monday night. Trevor Simeon did not look great behind that struggling Jets offensive line. And to make things worse, he went down with an injury after a hit to Miles Garrett. And now we have Luke Falk starting at quarterback. And if you've watched any type of Adam Gase's press conferences lately, he knows it too. He is so down on these players, it's it's ridiculous. And I have no confidence whatsoever with starting Jameson Crowder moving forward. I don't want any Jets player outside of Lev Bell right now. Try to trade them. Try to get rid of them while you can. With that being said, though, Sam Darnold, he's eyeing a return in week five, following their week four bye, so maybe things get back on track there, but for now, I'm leaving Crowder on the shelf. He's a sit for me this week. And that's all the time we have on Start, Sit, and Seth. We'll be right back to round out the show with some In the Scope. Stay with us. IUP students. IUP Dining has a meal plan that fits your lifestyle and your schedule. IUP Dining makes eating easy. Meal plans are convenient, flexible, and loaded with options. Your meal plan includes dining locations all across campus with a wide array of menus and offerings. You'll get guaranteed value whether you eat on campus three times a week or three times a day. Living on campus or close to campus? Come eat with IUP Dining today. They've got the perfect meal plan waiting for you. In the Scope. Welcome to some In the Scope, folks. This is a segment we're bringing back from last season. I actually write a column for it every week as well. You can find that at DynastyFootballFactory.com. Uh, it's a great site I've been involved with for a couple of weeks now. Got a great community of writers, people who are so passionate about fantasy football. So make sure you check that out at DynastyFantasyFootballFactory.com. So, in the scope. And while you know using a waiver claim every single week, using your fab budget to get those top players that are on most mediocre waiver lists seems like a good strategy. It's not. I've tried it. I've lost leagues because of it. And most leagues win when you're setting your sights on targets a week early. Alvin Kamara a couple of years ago. I know some people picked him up prior to week one. Phil Lindsay last season, same type of thing. I think that's what you have to do in these games. While waiver wire articles are always important, always important to stay up to date with them, you need to constantly be looking forward for people who haven't had that breakout game yet, but could. Uh, if you've been following along with us at all for some in the scopes, we've been able to snipe some players for you like Cole Hardman, Mark Andrew, Jalen Samuels, that whole gang. And so we're going to talk about some off the grid targets here in week three who necessarily haven't exploded yet, are not very heavily owned in leagues yet, but could help you get some value on your team moving forward here. And I'm going to start in New England with wide receiver Philip Dorsett. This former first round pick has had a decent season so far but he's only owned in 5.5% of leagues, and I think we all know why that is. Antonio Brown was signed just a couple of weeks ago to join this New England pass-catching offense, but a place on the commissioner's exempt list is still looming for the newly acquired AB. We know I was down on AB earlier this season, and I just don't think it lasts here in New England, especially with them looking into this investigation now, and I think if... AB does get put on that commissioner's exempt list, you have to add Philip Dorsett. Although the Jets just allowed 305 passing yards on Monday night to the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield and company, he has matchups coming up that are even more enticing. Week five, they're playing the Redskins. Week six, they have the Giants. These teams both rank in the bottom three against opposing wide receivers. They could be even better matchups for set moving along, and he could be a very capable starter moving forward. I think you grab him here while he's cheap before AB owners run to the waiver wire to grab him. My next waiver wire target is also on a powerhouse team this season. That's Justice Hill, the rookie running back for the Baltimore Ravens. We touched on Justice Hill a little bit in this podcast earlier in the season. He's a guy I've really liked coming out of college, and Let's be let's be honest, folks. Mark Ingram, he went down with an injury for a little bit last Sunday. He exited the game before coming back in. And while Justice Hill didn't have a ton of involvement in that game, even in that absence, he was only a yard shy of scoring a touchdown. He had a nice reception. He took it, scampered off a little bit, and just was short of getting into the end zone. So I think if Hill is out there, if you're a Mark Ingram owner, I think you need to own Hill regardless but even if you're not, I think while Hill's main value correlates with Ingram's health, Baltimore may try to spare Ingram a little bit, try to get back to a more balanced running back by committee. We saw Gus Edwards in previous weeks have the same about amount of snaps as Justice Hill. They both had 16 in week two. However, I think if Baltimore's trailing Sunday in Kansas City, I think that number could increase obviously and I don't think Gus Edwards is much of a pass catching back and Mark Ingram is but again, I think they're going to spare him a little bit so keep an eye out for Justice Hill in this high scoring affair we're hopefully going to see in Kansas City this weekend. I want to go back to Buffalo. Yeah, a little Buffalo action there. A little Bill's love for my Bill's Mafia listeners out there.
1: Bills make me want your heels up and throw your hands up and Show! throw your head back and come on now the bills are making
0: it happen now uh Cole Beasley Cole Beasley got paid this offseason four years 29 million the bills are 2 and0 and Beasley has 13 targets through those victories I think that Beasley is a great stash here on your bench for a little while uh, he's facing a Bengals team this Sunday that allowed 175 yards and two touchdowns to 49ers receivers in week two the 49ers receivers were kind of very similar to this Buffalo Bills receiving core you don't know who you want to add outside of maybe one guy John Brown and I think Beasley's impressive number of target share that he's going to bring in each and every week should give him a high floor He's averaging about 10 fancy points so far in PPR leagues, so definitely keep an eye out on Cole Beasley before it costs you a bunch of fab or a waiver claim. Cole Beasley in Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. So the tight end I have here that I have my sights set on is old reliable Jason Witten. This guy came out of retirement, out of the ESPN broadcast booth, and He has had a a pretty stellar season so far. Dak Prescott loves to find this guy in the red zone. He has seven receptions for 40 yards and two tutties on the season. That's good enough for tight end 12 in PPR formats. Tight end is a desolate place out there on the waivers right now. You could be looking at guys like Witten or you could be looking at guys like Tyler Eifert, Eric Ebron, but I want Jason Witten, that proven commodity there. And look, Now Michael Gallup is set to miss two or four weeks following a meniscus injury. Dak Prescott is going to continue to look Jason Witten's way, especially in the red zone where he can rack up those tuds for you. And they face the Miami Dolphins here in week three. That's all I need to say. They rank 31st against the opposing tight ends so far this season. Grab Jason Witten while it doesn't cost you anything. My final in the scope free agent find I have here for you is Mason Rudolph the newly coming Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Tom and I touched on it earlier in the show as well with Big Ben down a lot of people are going to be going after those quarterbacks the Jimmy G's of the world Andy Dalton. but I don't think you can count out the new starter here in Pittsburgh Rudolph after replacing Big Ben last week in just a half of work had 11.2 fancy points I know there if there's some Steeler fans in your leagues, he might already be picked up, but if he's not, keep an eye on him. While a lot of fans kind of threw in the towel Monday when they heard the shocking news that Ben was going to undergo season end surgery, the Steelers did not throw in the towel. They recently acquired Minka Fitzpatrick for that 2020 first-round pick. It's possible that Rudolph behind one of the league's best O-lines, and still with a great receiving core, including one that he played together with in college, that he could provide some high QB2 upside, especially when it comes against a 49ers defense this weekend that I'm still not buying into this Niners defense. I don't think their pass rush is still great from the year before, and I think the Steelers O-line is going to chew them up. I think we can expect a high dose of James Conner and our boy Jalen Samuels out of the backfield. But I think moving forward, Rudolph is a guy you need to keep on your radar. So with all that being said, folks, that is all the time we have for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's been a blast doing this with you all season long, and we'll be back next week. Check us out on thepen.org. Check us out on DynastyFootballFactory.com. You can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Seth W. It's been real, folks. Keep it in between. Have a good night.